The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm be in the end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2. As you're turning there, you know, there's going to be opportunity in the next time you have share groups to talk about um, the skit and really what, what you got out of it, what you saw in it. And um, I know for me, uh, I, I really love that skit. Um, and what always stands out to me is, is this reality, is that I mean, so often people have their argument against God. They have their reason for why they choose to not submit and yield to Christ that they reject the salvation that he's offering. And for, but for a lot of us, and we're all there at some point, none of us are born into, naturally born into the gospel. At some point, we had to surrender. We had to, what the Bible calls, repent and have trust and have faith in the personal work of Christ. And for so many people, though, that, that, that argument is there, why they don't believe, why they don't submit, why they don't surrender, why they wouldn't repent, until they really see Jesus for who he is. Until they see Jesus exalted, lifted up, but lifted up on the cross, dying in their place, taking the punishment they deserve. And Spencer alluded to this last night when he was preaching, which I'm not Spencer, by the way. My name is Rob. Spencer is my great uncle. And... Uh, <laughs> He was preaching last night, and, and he, he was alluding to this, that, man, that, that there, is no, there is no salvation apart from Christ, that, that, that real saving faith looks like surrender. It looks like coming to a place where I'm broken before, before Jesus, and, and I, I want us to look more at that as we see Jesus crucified, because we first have to see God for who he is, to see God in his holiness in his righteousness, that he's the one who made us, and he does, man, he, he made us, and he made us to worship him and to love him, and we've rebelled against that. If, if we don't, we need to see that first, because then we'll see ourselves for who we really are, as sinful, as, as in rebellion, that all of our arguments against God are really just so we don't have to deal with the fact that we've rebelled against God and deserve judgment. But if we'll see that, if we'll see God in his holiness, see ourself in our need and our sinfulness, then we can see Jesus for who he is, that this is the same God, the same God whose justice we deserve. That God in his love for us came to serve us with salvation. And that meant going to the cross. That meant what Peter would say is that, man, we're not redeemed, we're not ransomed, we're not freed from the slavery of sin by perishable things like silver and gold. We've been ransomed. We've been freed from the slavery of sin by the precious blood of Jesus, that as of a lamb without spot or blemish. Jesus, who is a real human being, God in the flesh, tempted to sin just like us, but he never yielded to it. And because of that, he was the perfect sacrifice. He is righteous. 
and he shed his blood. He poured out his life. He died in our place so we could be forgiven. If we'll see him like that, and our prayer is for some of you this weekend, that if you don't know Jesus, that this weekend that you'd end up where the people in the skit finished out. That whatever arguments you have against Jesus, whatever reasons you have for not surrendering to him, that you would just see Jesus for who he is. Because if you will, man, you'll repent, you'll believe, you'll surrender. So, First Peter chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 22. Y'all there? If not, we'll have it on the screen behind me. But I'm going to read and then, then we'll jump in. It says this, I'm going to start in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So we're going to focus on the word of God this morning. And he, because what he's already said is, man, what the word of God can do in you is purify you and, and totally change who you are. So that, that the main point of the sermon this morning is this. That the word of God is central to our salvation and our sanctification. To our salvation and sanctification. And we're going to talk about what that means. And in that, it's central to the way that we now love one another in the body of Christ. The way that we think about, talk about, and treat one another as Christians. The word of God is central to this. So, there's a... Me and my wife, we've been married for 15 years. It's been great. And uh, when we first got married, we were living here, working at camp, and there was a local family that we were really trying to minister to, and mostly the kids. There was, there was four kids in the family, and man, it was, they were in a tough, tough environment, really, really, uh, really sad home situation where... They all, all four of the siblings had different dads, and the mom was constantly having different guys in the home, and, and she was addicted to different, uh, different drugs, and it was just sad. And one of the, the saddest thing was just how neglected they were, how neglected they were. And it really, it hit home for me really strong one night, because we would get them and bring them to camp for events and play with them on wreck and, uh, I remember all that was so new to him. The, the one boy, the the one boy in the out of the siblings, we would take him to swim in the creek, like our creek at camp, which you know is at its deepest point, like maybe two feet, and <laughs> he had just never been in water, like he'd never been taken swimming before. So he would always like he would demand to have a life jacket. So we'd get him a life jacket, but then we'd get down the creek and he was so freaked out he wouldn't actually go in the creek, but he'd get his buddy Dakota to just scoop out water with a bucket and dump it on his head while he sat there in a life jacket. That's an awesome memory for me. I thought I'd share it. But, uh, but I mean, there, it, it hit me because, you know, we'd bring him to camp, we'd bring him to church, and I remember we'd have him over to our home. We'd go get him and bring him in, and, and my wife would, 
just prepare a normal meal, just a normal meal, nothing fancy like it'd be just baked chicken and broccoli and, you know, like either potato or some bread. And they just, they wouldn't eat it. And, and they're clearly malnourished. Like they're, they're scrawny, they're weak, and you can see the effects of like they're just malnourished, but they, they wouldn't touch what we offered them. And they would always ask for, like, do you have any Doritos? They would ask, because the, the home that they grew up in, I mean, literally breakfast was a pack of gummy worms. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Like a, a meal is, you know, a, Dorito, a handful of Doritos and those sugar drinks, like not even, like you can't call it fruit juice. It's just water and sugar and food coloring. And that's all they had ever known. And it was so sad because I, I realized that I remember, I mean, even we would take them to like Pizza Hut and they wouldn't eat the pizza. Like even that, like they didn't have an appetite for. And I realized, I mean, they're malnourished. Their bodies are showing the effect that they're not getting the nutrients that they need to, to survive. But that's all they had a taste for. That's all they knew. So that's all they had a taste for. And so they rejected what would like strengthen them and give them health. And even so that they're, they could think properly. And I think, man, it's such a picture because I think for us so often, that's how we treat the word of God. Like we are dependent on God's word to strengthen us initially for our salvation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But as believers, as Christians, for us to grow, for our faith to be strengthened, to be nourished, to be the men and women that God has called us to be, saved us to be, I mean, the word of God is central. But what we do is, man, we fill up on the junk of this world. We starve ourselves of scripture, and we fill up with the junk of this world that has an immediate, like, gratification for them. And, like, they... They, that's what all they wanted to taste was candy. It tastes good in the moment. And it would satiate, it would satisfy their hunger, but they had no idea that even though they didn't feel hungry, that they're actually starving. And some of us are there spiritually. Like you need the word of God. Every day, constantly, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, God in the flesh says, Man, man does not survive by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. If that's how Jesus lived out his earthly life, for us, how much more? But we're starving ourselves. And we're filling, a, and, and, and I don't, I'm not gonna list off all the things that we could potentially fill ourselves up with, that we spend our time on, that we give our affections to, that we find some sort of joy and, and, and peace and satisfaction, even though it's temporary. We fill up on that. And so oftentimes we're walking around spiritually weak and malnourished, but we don't know it because we just keep filling up with the junk of this world. So listen to what he says here about the word. It says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so what he's saying is, man, that, that this is where our relationship with the Lord starts, having our souls purified. And that comes through the gospel. And here he says, your obedience to it. Your obedience to it. Now, oftentimes we just talk about, man, just having faith and belief 
in the gospel. And it's the same thing, but for the writers of the New Testament, they didn't separate having faith in the gospel, faith that saves. They never separated that from obeying the gospel. True faith, saving faith, the faith that the Bible says that Jesus both authors and perfects, that faith always walks in obedience. That faith always shows itself in obedience from the beginning. That Peter would say that what faith and repentance looks like is obedience. That's what it is. So think about the word that we're (laughs) so often, man, and, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I need this sermon. I need this reminder from Peter. I need to remember that, man, I I depend on the word of God. But think about this, the power of the word of God given to us, right? How did God create this universe? By his word. That's that's not an accident. God, God is infinitely wise, infinitely powerful. He could have done this any way he wanted. He chose to create the universe through his word. Think about it. There is nothing outside of God. God exists, Father, Son, and Spirit. Perfect fellowship, perfect peace, perfect love. Not, he's not lacking anything. He's not missing anything. He's not lonely, but he chooses to create, and he speaks And out of nothing comes everything. He speaks and there's light shining in the darkness. In fact, the darkness is dispelled. It disappears. It cannot exist in the space that God just created by that light. He speaks and he creates this planet, this earth. He speaks in the land, this bare land, this rock brings forth all kinds of vegetation. You picture it in your mind? God speaks and trees come out of the ground, bushes, grass, all of it mature, all of it now bearing fruit. He speaks again and the sky explodes with all manner of birds flying, immediately obeying God by flapping their wings, singing songs. He speaks and the oceans fill with all sea life. He speaks, animals come forth. He speaks, and he creates man. And he's saying, the same power that spoke the universe into existence, but not just that God speaks the universe into existence. Did you know this? That right now, it's all held together. And since the beginning, it's all been held together by the word of Christ. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus sustains the universe by the word of his power. Not just that he's keeping it going, it's more than that. He's directing all of creation to its appointed end. Every blade of grass, every bird flying through the air, every human being, all of it, every star is doing what it's doing because Jesus is using it for his purpose. Everything was made by Jesus and for Jesus. And he says, in that same word, the word that we way too often ignore and neglect, it's the same word that brought us salvation. Do you see it? Verse 23. 
since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. It's eternal and it's powerful. It's alive. And if you're a believer, what happened was you heard the gospel proclaimed, either in a sermon or in a one-on-one conversation or your parents teaching you the gospel night in and night out. You heard the gospel. And as the word of God was proclaimed over you, what God did is he spoke into your soul. And he spoke and he said, let there be light. And the light of the gospel shined forth in your soul and you were made pure. You were forgiven of your sins because he spoke that life and in his grace, in his mercy, he gifted you faith to believe. And he spoke and what then comes forth, like what grew up in your soul then is a love for God and a desire, to, and, a desire and an ability to now obey him. And he speaks again of what comes up in our soul as believers, as natural as when the grass came forth from the earth. What came up is a love for one another. Do you see it? Read it again. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. It's beautiful. It's been the word that created the universe. The word, word that now sustains it, holds it together, and is moving everything to God's appointed end. It's the same word that brought us salvation. And what grows out of that should be a love for God and a love for one another. But he gives us instruction because just like we were to obey the gospel initially with repentance and faith, no, we have to obey now. We have a part to play in this. Jesus alone died on the cross. We couldn't do that. We couldn't pay for our sins. Jesus alone did that. Jesus alone went into death and killed death. We could not do that. If you would have died in your sin, and warning if you're not a believer, if you die in your sin, death will grab you and it will never let go. But if you're a believer, if you trust in Christ, what Jesus did was he went into death and he destroyed death so that it no longer has any power over him because he killed it and he rose again. That's our hope. Because of that, he says, man, now we have this responsibility to obey, to believe, to take part in our growing up in salvation. So look what he says here at the beginning of chapter two. So because of that, because of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he says, put off these things. Put off these things. And, and, and it really in the Greek, the original language, it's like, it's like the idea of stripping off like nasty, dirty clothes. So um, for me personally, 
my favorite wreck that we ever did at Snowbird that we, we don't do anymore, but it was my favorite wreck to lead and participate in was caving. And there used to be a small cave that was like an hour away, and we would take people there during the summer. Uh, but my favorite was we used to have this program called Old School, and we would have college-age students spend a whole semester with us, and they would do awesome outdoor activity and get discipled. But I would get to lead the caving section, and I loved it. I loved it. I loved going in these caves, man. For me, it was like the vid angel version of Goonies every time I went in. It was just an adventure that made me feel like a little kid. Um, but I always, <laughs> I, so I did this trip for years, but I remember uh, there was one time <laughs> we were going out there and I was, uh, I was in the lead car and I was driving us to the cave and I got lost. And I mean, I like got lost, went the wrong way and added like, I mean, it was almost an hour and a half to our drive and it was awful. And, and then the way that I, I took us would have gotten us there, but the, uh, there was like a landslide, and so that road was closed, so we had to like backtrack, <laughs> which it was just awful. It was a horrible, horrible trip. Um, but then we, but we still went, and so we got to the entrance of the cave, which was just a hole in the ground. You would have walked right past it and never thought anything of it. It was just a small hole that opened up into this huge cavern, and we're about to go in, and I'm leading, and I thought, the irony, like, I just got all these people lost in the daytime on roads that have names, signs, and with my phone telling me which way I'm supposed to go, and now they're going to follow me into this hole where none of those things exist. <laughs> but I went, I took them, and I loved it, man. I'd get in there, and like I said, that first room was just this huge cavern where the strongest headlamp that we would bring in there, if you stood in the center of that room, the light wouldn't reach either wall and it wouldn't hit the ceiling. It's incredible. And we'd work through there and then you get to this one section where it's like these huge boulders that you had to climb up. And what you realize is you look up at the, the ceiling and all those rocks that you're climbing up over uh, used to be part of the ceiling, which every once in a while I'd be like, I wonder what made that fall. I wonder what would happen if that same thing happened now. Hmm, let's keep going. And uh, so we'd boulder up over these rocks and we'd go down this, we'd, this tight squeeze and have to climb down, but it would open up to this path that was like made from flowing water. It was beautiful. Everything else was dirty and muddy, but this path that the water goes through, man, it was like the rock was all like blues and purples and greens. It was just beautiful. And you could tell like, I mean, sometimes the water is up as high as your light would shine, but you know, we'd go through there and it would be at our, you know, shins or some places your knee. And so this water passage, which there was one time we went in and I guess it had rained and it was actually, we got to, to the one place we were supposed to just climb down and it was filled with water. So much water that uh, we were like, well, we obviously we can't go down there, but what we can do is swim in the cave. And that was awesome. Uh, I remember uh, Zach who uh, led worship last night, we were in there together. And I'll, so it was like, at first you go, okay, somebody's got to jump in. So I think Zach jumped in first and then came back up and it was like, man, that's awesome. I was like, okay, now, okay, everybody turn off their headlamps. I'll turn off mine and I'll jump in, which was crazy because it was just pitch black. You, when I came back up, you th you're like, I think I'm no longer in the water. And then we were like, okay, 
Everyone turn off their lights except for the dude that jumps in because we want to see how far down it goes. And he'd jump in with that headlamp and you'd see the light just like slowly disappear. And then, <laughs> and then it would slowly come back up, but it was just the headlamp. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was just so much fun. And I remember, uh, which none of you should ever follow me into the cave, by the way. <laughs> Because I did think, at some point I was like, well, the next time I was in the cave and we were in that water passage, and I thought, huh, I wonder how long it takes to fill up. I know I can get me out of here in like three minutes, but I don't know about these guys. And <laughs> so don't, don't follow me into the cave. But, man, I remember we'd always, on the way out, you'd have to go through this super muddy room, super muddy room, and it'd just be caked in this thick, nasty cave mud, man, and had a, like a three-hour drive back home, and it's just drying all over you, and I remember I'd be so tired, and I'd get home, and just want to like take a shower, fall into the bed, and my wife would always be like, oh no, oh no, you're not, you are not bringing that into this house, and she'd hose me off in the front yard like, like your dad when you're a little kid, you know, like just hose me down, and I'd take that stuff off, like that's not coming in the house, and like that's the picture I want to have right here. When, when he says, like, put away, take this off, what he's saying is, as a believer, when, when you've received the word of truth, the eternal word of God that has purified your soul, that what it should be producing is a love for God and a love for people and pure worship, like, there is no place, there's no room for this. For what? Listen to what he says. Put away malice. What's that? That's just evil. Anger in your heart towards other people. There's no place for that. Take that off. It says hypocrisy, deceit. Hypocrisy is inconsistency between belief and practice. Envy. Envy. Listen to this quote from this one pastor talking about envy. He says, Envy points to a desire for or resentment of some privilege or benefit that belongs to another. Envy, listen to this, this hurts. Envy, when you're envious, when you're jealous, envy is the fruit of dissatisfaction with God. If God were truly enough for us, we would not feel the need to have what others enjoy. Slander. Slander is most often motivated by the desire for revenge and self-enhancement, often driven by a longing to deflect attention from our own failings by shining light on someone else through slander. Slander's ugly, man. It's ugly. It's just when you, you want to tear somebody else down in another person's mind so that you look better. It's ugly. And he's saying, there's no place for that. It's the opposite of the sincere love that we're supposed to have for one another. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we take those things off? He tells us, verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. And some of your translations probably go ahead and say the pure spiritual milk of the word. That by it you may grow up into salvation. The pure spiritual milk. What he's saying here is, as a believer, there's ne we never grow beyond where we should feel the desire. That we should have that craving for the word of God, that nothing else would satisfy that desire but scripture. So that family I told you about at the beginning, and one of the girls 
ended up through the foster care system. She, she got adopted into a really good family, awesome family. And I remember my wife talking to the, the mom of the family and just how that girl was now doing so good, but that there was this, this transition where they really had to like, they had to, they had to cut out and it was a painful process and she did not like it where they had to take away all those things that she was used to eating so then they only would give her healthy food normal food but o- over time I mean, she she grew in her desire for it as she tasted it as she felt her body growing in strength and her mind clearing up like man she would desire it long for it Man, and for some of you, like, this weekend needs to be, like, all right, examine yourself right now. Are you filling your mind, filling your soul, feel it, filling your heart with substitutes that are leaving you spiritually weak and malnourished? And, and you, there may be some things that you just, for at least for a season, man, you need to walk away from that. Starve yourself of that so you can, again, just, man, grow in your desire for the Word of God. Something that should be so natural to us. Just like an infant, like a baby, just longs for its mother's milk and will not accept a substitute. Like, I remember, man, when when my first kid was born and she'd cry through the night. And, man, (laughs) it's so annoying. (laughs) You're holding that kid and you're like, this is why God made you cute. Because otherwise, like, I just want to sleep at any cost. But I remember I would try to, like, let my wife sleep so I'd hold that kid and, you know, walk around and sing songs and, you know, she's screaming and screaming and like try sticking my knuckle in her mouth and she's not having that. Put a little passy in her mouth and she shoots it across the floor, like latte, Coke, whatever. Like she's not having anything. She only wants one thing. And he's saying that needs to be us. We never mature and grow past that. You need to, you need to meditate on read and study and memorize the word of God and the more that you do that the more of a desire you'll have for it and you won't be satisfied by anything else you'll long for it the word of God will become sweet to you listen to this listen to what Psalms 119 says how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth through your precepts your word I get understanding therefore I hate every false way your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what's the, what's the application? If you're not a believer, then our prayer for you is that you would hear the word of God, that you'd see Jesus for who he is and what he's done for you, and you would obey by repenting, putting your faith and trust in Christ. He's the only one who can save you. You can't do it for yourself. Man, it's a free gift. You come to him and surrender to him. And as believers, that we would, that we would prioritize God's word. The same God who spoke the universe into existence, who sustains it right now, who's directing all of it, who spoke the gospel into your soul to give you salvation. He's speaking to you every day through his word. Don't neglect it. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.